Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Fantastic to be here yet again, uh, bringing you the very best podcast there is anywhere in the whole podcasting world. <laughs> is that true? That is very true. How many <laughs> do you listen to? <laughs> one. Thousands. <laughs> Thousands and none Just of them. Just this one. None of them are as good as you. <laughs> Listening to your own work. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about what's in the podcast this week. We've got the news as usual, some very exciting stuff there. The main meat of today's podcast will be the types of campsites that you can avail yourselves on. And one of my favourite bits every week is talking to you in the audience Q&A. We're talking to Raj, Colin in Northampton and Bethan, who dropped a little paper form in when we were at the NEC. She did. Thank you, Bethan. We'll back to that later. So before we get into types of campsites, let's get uh, through the news, shall we, Matt? Uh, first of all, you've been talking to somebody, haven't you? I caught up with our good friend David Whitehead. He's Director of Technical Services at the National Caravan Council. There's a mouthful. Back at the February show at the NEC, I was talking to David about their new guide that they brought out for motor caravans and for caravans. Uh, and we started talking about payload, our favourite topic. Yeah, you'll, you'll have a set payload and you'll understand from your information that you get how much you can load. But it's not just how much, it's where you load it. You've got a front and rear axle, sometimes a twin axle at the rear, and each axle will have its own maximum load. And you must ensure you stay below the maximum load for each axle. So don't just load everything to the back of the motorhome or motor caravan because you're going to overload the rear axle. Spread the axle, the weights across the axles, even the load out, and that will give you a much better driving experience as well. Thinking about bike rack as well, it's very easy to shove the maximum kind of bike rack weight of 60 kilos on a bike rack and in fact overload it that has a massive impact on the handling doesn't it yeah absolutely if you're if you're putting a bike rack on the back and you load that fully and then you load the motorhome at the back what you'll find is the rear suspension comes down to its minimum limit that will affect cornering that will affect acceleration so what you need to do if you're putting bike rack on the back of a a motor caravan is consider where you're putting the other load try and counterbalance it so that you actually keep the rear suspension at a decent level so that you're not overloading one axle and, and giving problems with steering and braking. And how can people find out how the vehicle is loaded and what weight is on each axle? The, the easiest way is to take it to a weighbridge, but the important thing there is to make sure the weighbridge is calibrated for your size of vehicle. A lot of weighbridges out there are calibrated for 40-tonne for trucks and their tolerances are far, far, far too high for motor, motorhomes. So what you then do is you find a county weighbridge and you ask at what level is the tolerance. If the tolerance is 10 kilos or less, that's great. What you don't want is a weighbridge where the tolerance is 50, 100 kilos, which they can be if they're weighing 40-tonne trucks. It makes, doesn't make a lot of difference. But on a motor caravan, it makes a big difference if you're 50 kilos out of yeah. the tolerance. Top tip, I'm going to check with the animal feed place that we use on their weighbridge what the tolerances are. Never thought to do that, thank you. And the other thing is speed limits. This is something that people need to be aware of. I was chatting with the lovely family from Rolling Homes. They raised the point that a van with windows, if that's your classification on the V5, is limited to 60 mile an hour everywhere. Is that right? 
that's that's correct. It's determined by what's on your V5, the body type on your V5. If the body type is motor caravan, then your national speed limit supplies 70 miles an hour on a motorway. If it's van with windows, the national speed limit for a van with windows on the V5 is 60 miles an hour. Now you can get stopped and they'll issue a ticket. You could challenge that ticket in court by saying it's a motor caravan. And if you can prove it, they may revoke that ticket. But that's the risk you take. If it says van with windows on your, on your vehicle, recommend stay, stay below the 60 mile an hour limit. But the bit about this that seems odd to me, a van with windows is it's just a van <laughs> with windows in it. A motor caravan's got extra seats, it's got a fridge, it's got a hob, an oven, you know, a whole load of furniture, a double bed, and then all our kit and caboodle that goes with that is heavier. Mm-hmm. Naturally, it's going to be much heavier and therefore take longer to, to stop when braking. So surely it should have the lowest speed limit. Why is this the wrong way around? You could say it's the wrong way around, but you have to remember a motor caravan, most of the load is fixed. It's not moving around anywhere. In a van with windows, it's a commercial van. could be loaded with boxes. It could be loaded right to the hilt. So the actual maximum weights are no different for the two vehicles. So everything set up for the maximum weight might be three and a half ton. So they're both uh, van with windows and a motorhome are set up for three and a half ton. But the van with windows could have a load in there that can move around, whereas in a motor caravan, nearly everything is fixed. Nothing's going to be moving around while you're driving. Right. So actually, there's an argument to say that a van with windows should have a lower speed limit because it was in an accident, those things inside can fly around and go anywhere. And they're often to refer to as a dynamic load, aren't they, because they can move? Yeah, absolutely. It is a dynamic load, whereas a motor caravan, most of it is a dead load. But what about half tank of water? That's slopping about. Yeah, but within a certain area. It can't, be, can't break the envelope of the tank. Yeah. Whereas in, in a van with windows, that whole area at the back is open. David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. We're actually going to catch up with David again about type approval. There's something very exciting. (laughs) But actually, it's really important because so many of our motorhomes and caravans and camper vans that you can buy and see are not type approved. So they're built to all sorts of standards. The National Caravan Council have a scheme that approves a build quality and standard. And, you know, what is it? Most people are completely unaware of it. Don't give it all away. No, we're going to keep it. Leave them hanging on is what I say on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll unpack that one in a future episode. You mentioned speed limits in that interview. Hmm. Vans with windows and the speed limit. Something that I wasn't aware of. It it drops if you put a window in it. Uh, Well, absolutely, yeah. So the original van, 70 mile an hour on the motorway, put windows in it and get it classified by the DVLA, so it goes on your V5 as a van with windows, suddenly you can only do 60 miles an hour. That's something to remember when you're there we are. hauling yourself down the motorway the at The key 85. is, <laughs> most people want to get a motorhome or camper van classified as a motor caravan on the V5. And the DVLA changed the rules around how you do this uh, and have created a whole process with it. And we're actually talking to the DVLA right now via email trying to encourage them to come on the podcast do you reckon we can get a voice from the dvla on let's see you never know you never know i'm intrigued to know how have you got on have you tried to convert a van and have it reclassified as a motor caravan and what was the result as you've explained it to me before we started recording the dvla is clear about uh, the specifications about what you can do but you were saying that people do that use those specifications submit their work to the DVLA for reclassification, and it comes back as, sorry, no. How does that happen? Did Oh, exactly. So I'm yet to talk to anyone who has had a converted van reclassified as anything other than a van with windows. It's the same letter that comes back. If you have had a pop-top, this is key, if it's a high-top van, a bit easier perhaps, but if it's a pop-top VW-type van with a pop-top roof, 
and you followed all the criteria and submitted it to be reclassified as a motor caravan, how have you got on? Have you succeeded? If you have, I would love to hear from you. If you haven't, we'd love to hear from you because we are actually going to present this question to the DVLA and see if we can get a response and an explanation from them as well. I'm going to do that for you. Matt is on the case. Let's delve into the main meat of this, shall we then, Matt? The fillet steak, the sirloin, the T-bone, and if you like chicken, the breast, my friend. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, half the listeners have just turned off. <laughs> well, the vegetarians have. <laughs> Types of campsites. Now, that's what we're talking about today. What do you mean, types of campsites? Well, there's lots of different types of campsites. So We love an acronym, OTT, I'd say. And TLS for that leisure shop. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Campsites have different accreditations, so they're often described as a CL or a CS. And people say, what does this mean? A CL is a certified location, and its part is a type of campsite affiliated with the Caravan and Motorhome Club. The key is for the landowner, you can set up a campsite that's restricted to five pitches for a motorhome or caravan without planning permission. And this is referred to as a CL, if you then list it with the Caravan and Motorhome Club. If you list it with the Camping and Caravanning Club, the other club, uh, it's called a CS, a certified site. So they're, they're basically the same thing, same planning criteria, they just have different names. What are air? We have talked about these before. before. Do, we, do I say it in the French way, air? Correct. Never yeah. pronounce an S in, when you're speaking French. Air. No, that's right. That's right. At the end of a word. Or do I say airs? You can say airs, air. given where you're from. <laughs> you see what you like. <laughs> so an air is a park-up. Uh, it's a place where you're not allowed to create an encampment, so you're not unlike a campsite. You are not allowed to get your awning out, your table and chairs, your barbecue. You just literally park up. Uh, you need to be self-sufficient. So particularly on the continent, you have to be self-sufficient in a motorhome or camper van. Airs are not for caravans. They are only for motorised leisure vehicles. So when you say self-sufficient... You Toilet. Electricity. Uh, Well, battery on board, but you must have your own facilities. So your own water on board and your own toilet. But they don't have somewhere you can plug into. Not always. Not always. Some do. And often you pay to use that facility. They are increasing in number in this country. Uh, There's a a group that campaign for real heirs who we've spoken to. And you can listen back to that episode uh, where I spoke to Campra at the Harrogate show. And they explained a bit more about what they're all about and why they are doing what they're doing. There are thousands, 6,000 or something heirs across Europe uh, and a couple of hundred in the UK. So they are growing and growing fast. And they are a way for landowners to make money without really doing a huge amount. You know, that that's an option. So, so if I can just jump in there, we don't have heirs or that style of stop-off over here at the moment. Is that what you're saying? No, we do. There are, there are over 200. I think Camper have been involved with 120 of them. Uh, they are increasing in number and we need more of them because and, you know, another common way of camping is to wild camp. We call it that incorrectly, we know, uh, but where people just park up in a lay-by or in an area of outstanding natural beauty and spend the night. But, you know, we've done lots of content on that in the past, haven't we, on trespass and wild camping itself, where you need to have the landowner's permission. And they're often called wild park-ups or stopovers. They're called lots of things. Um, If it was on an approved spot, like an air would be, where the council have approved it, maybe the council own it, increasingly they do, then that would be great. We need more of them. 
please, if you've got land, definitely go and listen to the Campra episode and tell us about your air as well. But, but, but an air gets rid, doesn't it, of that doubt when you're driving along looking for somewhere to stop. Can yeah. I stop in this lay-by? Can I stop here? Can I do this? The airs is another level which they've got on the continent, which, as you say, is being introduced more and more here. And Campra's campaigning is doing great a great job in in increasing the number of them. But it, like I say, it takes away that doubt in the driver's the mind, doesn't yeah, it? And you the have risk, permission. The risk of being towed. Yeah, you you might have paid to go on the air. Uh, it might be a car park, and you just pay one pound seventy for the night. Yeah, and for overnight parking. And you, but the point is, you've paid to be there. You have a right to be there. You're allowed to be there. Yeah. You've got the landowner's and, permission. And most motorhomers, uh, you know, they want to abide by the law, the, the law. They want to do the right thing. It's just that sometimes it's a bit fuzzy, isn't it? It is fuzzy, yeah, particularly around wild park-upping. Is that a phrase, wild park-upping? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll coin it. We'll, let's, let's use that. So, yeah, it, the, it's the fuzziness that we don't like, um, unless it's you, Keith. Said the actress to the bishop. Uh, Brit Stops, what are they? <laughs> so Brit Stops is a book, uh, been around for years. Uh, a chap called Steve launched it some time ago. And it's it's a list or book of locations that you can spend the night with the landowner's permission, like a pub. So you can go in the pub, have a meal, have a beer, uh, and then spend the night in their car park. And often it's free. Sometimes there is a charge for doing it, £10 a night. Uh, but it's a whole load of locations that you can uh, book you can go and stay at, and there is a minimal or no charge. I've got you. So how do I go about booking an official campsite? Well, an official campsite, there are lots of places you can do that, loads of websites. Google is your friend. So there are lots of websites where you can just go on and book, become a member of a club and book their campsite. So I've mentioned before uh, the Camping and Caravaning Club. Pay to join them. It's £40 or thereabouts for the annual membership. Uh, And then you can book their sites. Some of their sites you can book without becoming a member, actually. Or you could join the Caravan and Motorhome Club and book into their sites. So if you join the Caravan and Motorhome Club, you can book onto a CL. uh, And you can find those via the club website although you need to search very specifically for a cl in fact cls are a bit tricky to find i caught up with a guy his name's ted and he owns a cl and has actually been part of a group who've created a booking platform called cl booking ted howard jones from cholsey grange cl now tell us a little bit about the website that you've created that basically enables people to book onto a range of cl sites That's right. Um, It's called CL Booking. And myself and about 20 other CL owners, which are five van sites, about two years ago got together and thought it would be really great if our visitors, who like coming to our sites, could quickly and easily find our sites and book them um, on the internet rather than having to telephone. Quite often, we are farmers or we're out at work or we've got another job because a five van site doesn't really make a living as it were it, it's it's kind of a hobby or or in my case because I'm a farmer it's part of our diversification and so we don't spend full time uh, taking bookings and so forth um, so it's nice to be able to allow people just to book online and then we can get back to them confirm it and so forth and they can see what our availability is and whether we take dogs or children or whether we've got hookup and we'll toilets and showers and all those kinds of all the normal questions that you would have and so yeah we wanted to make it easy for people to book online. And so how many CL sites have you got listed on the website now? 
As of today, we've got 250, which is fantastic. And that's attracted about 20,000 people who've registered to use the site and get our newsletters and so forth and, and access to our Facebook groups and all that sort of stuff. So we do two things, you know, we help promote the small sites to our audience and we allow the audience, the visitors who want to come and visit our little sites on farms or in lovely remote places, you know, tell them all about it and what the joys of uh, running a small site are, of, of visiting a small site are. So what's your site called, Ted? My site's called Cholsey Grange and it's up in the Chiltern Hills area of Outstanding Natural Beauty and it's got a fantastic view. And like any CO, you've got five pitches there available? Absolutely right. We're, we're limited to five pitches and, yeah, we put those in about uh, eight or nine years ago. And to start with, it was just a grass field with a tap in the corner and, and so forth and some uh, chemical waste uh, disposal. But now we've gradually evolved it to be hard standings and fully serviced and so forth. Yeah, and you've got quite a few facilities on the site as well, I understand. Yeah, we, we offer Wi-Fi, we offer dog walking and circular walks and, 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 and it's, a, it's a great experience for people. But we don't have toilets and showers, so that makes us a little bit different. And, you know, some people um, would prefer toilets and showers. That's good for them. There, there are lots of other CLs that do have those. You mentioned that you're a farmer. That's your full-time, your real job, <laughs> if I can call it that. Absolutely. And you're diversifying into, yeah. you have a CL. We're going to see more farmers doing this, are we? We're going to see more CLs cropping up? Absolutely. If you've watched Clarkson's Farm, you'll know how important diversification is to farmers because all the government subsidies are going away for farmers. So lots of them are now diversifying into doing other things. And tourism is one of the easier things for them to do. Um, And they're either setting up campsites or CLs or, or in actually... Alongside ours, we run horse riding holidays as well. So, you know, we've, we've done two diversifications on our farm. But you will find lots more farmers being interested in this, in this avenue to make some money. Yeah. And for someone listening who's thinking, well, yeah, we've got some land, we could do that. How easy is it to create a CL? It's relatively easy if you go down through one of the major clubs who will provide the certification. And in essence, that's the planning permission. And it, it, it helps you because going to your local authority for planning permission can be quite difficult whereas through the clubs for a CL it's relatively straightforward it possibly take three or four months uh, to do but it is probably more straightforward than going to your local authority is there a cost for the that CL owner to join your listing website so to join the CL booking website costs 150 pounds per year and we don't charge any commissions on the bookings that are taken so unlike pitch up and airbnb and so forth there are no commissions so it's a straight annual fee and just give us the website address again clbooking.co.uk ted thank you for stopping by really interesting and i wish you all the best with your continued diversification we are i think clarkson has just elevated the awareness to us Joe Public of what a challenging time farmers have. Uh, I heard it said that he's done more for the farming community than Country Farm have ever done. I'd agree 100%, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Clarkson's done a fantastic job to, to put the awareness out there about how difficult it is to grow food and make a profit and deliver it to the customer. If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. Brilliant, there's Ted. Edward, as he's known to his mother. <laughs> he's Ted to everyone else. Thanks for coming on, Ted. It was great to finally catch up with you. Uh, in fact, we're going to talk to Ted again on a future episode about another challenge facing campsites. We'll come back to that.
Fantastic. Uh, what about people with caravans and uh, people camping in tents? Yes, true. So what we've been talking about really are motorhome campervan uh, destinations. If you're a caravanner or tenter, then you need to head to an official campsite, which of course are generally, not always, but usually much bigger. They've got a toilet block, shower block, maybe washing up facilities. Some even have bowling alleys and arcades for the kids. There's a choice, really, and booking them you can do online, uh, and and really it's up to you where you want to go. So often, as Ted says, a CL or CS is in an area of outstanding natural beauty, and the only way you can get a campsite there is by having a CL or CS, which is limited to five pitches. Um, You'd probably never get a campsite built on, you know, Dartmoor. Right, I've got you. And maybe you uh, uh, and Ted, uh, uh, the Jeremy Clarkson fan club, as I'd like to, to call <laughs> I, I wouldn't uh, go that far. Uh, might like to persuade him to have some air on his land. Who, Clarkson? Yeah. Uh, that would be popular, on wouldn't it? Diddley Squat Farm, wouldn't yeah, it, Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, well, if, Jeremy, if you're listening, tell us your thoughts. What do you think? So, Matt, can you point me to some savings? How, there's lots to choose from. <laughs> yeah. How can I make me buck go? So, forever? in this country, the UK, I would definitely join a club. Uh, if you want to go to a big campsite or a CL or CS, I'd join a club. Uh, there's always special offers, and you have access to all their campsites. If you're travelling on the continent, I would definitely go and buy the Axi books. A C S I. We talk to Axi. You'll hear from them in a second. Or the Alan Rogers guidebooks. Uh, listen to a previous episode on Alan Rogers and the, and his guidebooks and and what the team at the Caravan and Motorhome Club have created. Axie are a very popular one, and at the NEC show in February, I spoke to the guys on the Axie stand and asked them a bit more. So I'm here with a familiar face to the show on the Axie stand. I mean, at, with that from the Netherlands, we see you at all the shows giving out the great Axie handbook. Tell me, at what does Axie actually stand for? Axie stands for Auto Service Camping Card International. So, Automobile Camping Car Service International. That's the the right, that's the right name. (laughs) Sorry for that. I always use AXI. I think everybody does. And what is the AXI guide? AXI is an uh, an editor of camping guides. Uh, We inspect on an annual basis more than 10,000 campsites all over Europe. And we put them in one big AXI Europe camping guide. And that's what we mainly do. And next to that, we have something for people who travel in low season. And that means that you can travel whole year long, except July and August. And then you can use the world-famous Axi camping card, which gives you a discount, 5 to 10 euros each night on 3,000 campsites all over Europe. And in two or three nights, you would save the cost of having the card, wouldn't you? Uh, Exactly, exactly. And after that, you are saving two bottles of wine a day. (laughs) I love that. And it's... 18.99 18.99 is that a typical price? 18.99 is a special offer for the show here. Normally you will pay around 21 pounds, uh, and if you buy it online, you will pay for the shipment as well. Yeah. Well, we love it. I love ours. It's an essential to have, and it's an annual guide, isn't it? That you need to renew every year. Yes. Uh, when is it? When is it launched? It's launched in 2006, and since then it's grown to an immense success because a lot of people we are printing 400,000 copies of the guide in 14 different languages Wow! one of them is English one of the, <laughs> thank you for doing that and when is the new guide come out the new guide is coming out uh, at the end of the year so when you have a subscription we will send you an email a reminder by the end of October 
once we have made the financial arrangements, we'll ship the new books for the new year to you before Christmas every year. So it's kept up to date every year? All 10,000 campsites, because that is high season information. And of these 10,000 campsites for high season, 3,000 they have said come to us in low season. And then you will get discount. And low season is the whole year except for six weeks in July and August. Uh, thank you for adding that in. That's really good. Have a great show, won't you? Thank you very much. Thank you My both. My name is also Ed. <laughs> so two men called At. At. <laughs> at and At. Yeah, it at, is. At and At. Two yeah. men. That's, that's the name of a film, isn't it? Two, <laughs> two men called At. They're such lovely guys. They're, they come to every show we do here in the UK, or well, certainly the NEC. Uh, you see them stood there, smiling and giving out the, trying to sell the Axie Guide. Um, it is really good. You can save up to 30% on campsites off-season, off as they say. So, yeah, worth getting, definitely. Now, you've heard a small part of that interview. If you'd like to hear more uh, or see more, uh, you can go and uh, onto our YouTube channel. Just look for Motorhome Matt. That's right. it, yeah. You can see the full interview with them. And we're doing this increasingly, aren't we? Just snippets for the podcast. Enough for the dog walk or emptying the dishwasher or whatever it is you're doing in the shower. Some people we know are listening in the shower. Uh, and if you want to get the full deep dive, then uh, head off to the YouTube channel. So, Matt, I've got all the information here. You've given me all the different sorts of campsites. I'm on top of it. Good. How do I now go ahead and book where I want to stay? Dead easy. So if you join a club, then you go to their website. Uh, so if you join Cameron and Cameron Club or Caravan and Motorhome Club, that's a great way of doing it. Lots of rally clubs as well that you can join. Google is your friend. There are loads of portals for campsites. So um, the obvious ones like Airbnb are very mainstream, but there's Pitch Up, Cool Camping, and there are some brilliant apps as well. Personal favourites of mine are Search for Sites or Park Fortnite with a number four in it. Uh, in fact, we've covered this in two episodes in the past. One is called Booking a Campsite, and another is Best Apps. So go and search for those. I think they run one after the other. So two quick episodes to go and check out on the podcast where we cover all of this. Just a quick question about the apps. Are they free? Uh, some of them are, yes. If you've paid a membership, then obviously the app comes with it. Uh, but often they are, yeah. And you just, you know, they make their money by you booking. Fantastic. So if you come across an app and they demand payment from you, search and see if you can find a free one first. You're just tight. <laughs> well, you know, money is tight these days. <laughs> So we've covered our types of campsites and how you can book them. We've talked to some of the people involved behind the scenes as well. I think we've covered that off pretty well, don't you? Hopefully. But if you've still got questions, then make sure you ask us. I'll give a plug for it. motorhomemat.co.uk forward slash askmat. You can record your question by hitting the button or you can just fill in the form and send it to us. If you record it, please tell us where you are. It's always lovely to know where our listeners are. Do you own a motorhome, caravan, campervan or tent? Head to thatleisureshop.com for all your outdoor living essentials. Outdoor furniture, leisure vehicle spares, accessories and more. Visit us in-store or shop online. Thatleisureshop.com. Quote the discount code at the checkout, Motorhome Matt, for £10 off when you spend just £100. Thatleisureshop.com. Proud to bring you the Motorhome Matt podcast. Ready for the adventure. It's the Motorhome Map Podcast, brought to you at thatleisureshop.com. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. OK, let's delve deeply into our audience Q&A. Here's Raj. I am 
I'm new to the motorhome. I hired the motorhome a couple of times. Um, I enjoy it. I am considering buying one. My family has four adults, two children, including that includes my wife and my parents. So I'm looking for something like a six meter motorhome with six seat belts in order to accommodate all of my family. The reason I'm looking for a six meter motorhome is because as I'll be traveling into London mostly, uh, zone five, zone six, we have family there. I live in Hertfordshire. L the lanes are narrow. Generally, UK has smaller roads. That's one of my reasons. I would be grateful if you could discuss about six meter motorhomes with six seat belts. Thank you. That's Raj there with the television and his kids and the pets in the background. <laughs> there was a lot going on there, Raj. Cheers, Raj, mate. <laughs> it sounded like you were all in the motorhome when you were recording that. <laughs> what advice have you got for him? Well, six metres and six belts, that's a challenge, I'm not going to lie. I can understand your logic. The first thing that came to mind is to look at more of a people carrier where you then perhaps look at putting an awning on the side or the back of it and these things do exist spaceship campers do lots of these uh, where they take a toyota previa or some type of vehicle like that which is actually a car and it's had some sort of conversion to make the seats into a bed and then you bolt a tent onto the side or clip a tent onto the side of it making your living area much bigger that may be an option and particularly going into if you're going into low emission zones and that's a consideration too, perhaps. Six metres and six belts is the challenge. If you were to go a bit longer, 6.4 metres, we've just actually sold a lovely motorhome. It was built by Adria. And if you want to Google it, Raj, so you can get the idea of the layout, it's called a 573DF. It has six seat belts, was sort of two double beds. Six of you could sleep in it. Uh, and of course, it's always an option to put you know the parents in a tent outside or the kids in a tent outside if it's a bit of a squash inside. But normally, I would say a six belted motorhome with six beds, you're looking at a seven metre motorhome. OK, Raj, I hope that helps you. Collins in Northampton. Hi, Matt. It was good to meet you at the NEC in February. Uh, we, Colin and Liz, were the couple asking about worldwide insurance. We went to chat with the other stands you recommended, but still got the same message that beyond Europe, they did not offer more far-flung cover. We'll let you know if we find out there is someone out there that will cover this. We'll definitely be listening to some of your podcasts for more tips and hints of things we need to consider before venturing into the big, wide world. And they send their best wishes. Colin and Liz. I remember meeting them. It was great to meet you guys. Thanks for your message. Since we chatted, I'm sorry to hear that you didn't get on very well speaking to the insurers I sent you off to talk to. But I did ask one myself and they suggested Adrian Flux. Now, I don't know if Adrian Flux can cover you, but they often offer policies which are a bit left afield. I've got classic car insured with them, actually, but they may be an option for you. But if you do find out, will you let me know? I'd love to know where you've managed to get cover. Colin and Liz want to go around the world, like proper mm. outside of the Schengen zone and really go far flung. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hide in their boot. Cheers, Colin and Liz. Uh, Beth and Wynne dropped a little form in uh, the NEC into our little box. Can I get a visa for Europe for travelling to many European countries? I know about the France 180-day stay, but mm -hmm. I want to travel outside France. Ooh, good question. You don't need a visa currently, as we record this, to go to the Schengen zone, so mainland EU. However, as of November this year, and it's threatened 
to be introduced sooner, you will need to apply for a visa waiver. It's called an ETIAS, E-T-I-A-S. It's seven euros. It will last for three years and everyone of all ages must apply for one. If you're under 18, it's free. If you're over 70, it's free. However, in the middle, it's seven euros. But you only have to play that once every three years and that will mean you can travel into the Schengen zone. If you haven't got an ETIAS, you must have a visa. Uh, Obviously, travelling outside the Schengen zone, you may need a visa. But at the moment, none is required. So keep an eye on etias.info and you'll be able to see, and we will let you know as well, uh, we're keeping a close eye, when this rule is going to change. They've got a very similar system, haven't they, uh, when you go into uh, America, the Esther system? Esther, yeah. yeah. Is it basically the same? Yeah. yeah. And just uh, on Bethan's point here, she says uh, she knows about the France 180 days. As I understand it, the 180-day rule applies to the Schengen zone in toto, totally. So you yeah. can't spend 180 days in France and then go to Spain for 180 days. No, there's days. actually a 90-day limit. It's a rolling 90-day limit, which you would accumulate 90 days of travel. So you can spend 90 days there, come back and then yep. return, but it's not country by country, it's within the EU zone. With, absolutely, within the Schengen zone. Yeah. If you want to find out more about this, we actually have a guide on preparing for a European trip, uh, which you can get for free. Uh, it's thatleisureshop.com forward slash Europe, uh, and I give a presentation, I gave the presentation recently in Harrogate every day, uh, and there is a video there as well that you can watch, uh, and the guide is a checklist and a handbook, Uh, on everything you need to know about preparing for a European motorhome adventure. So it's all the stuff you've legally got to have, all the paperwork you need, all the paperwork your motorhome or or caravan has to have, and then all the stuff that you didn't even know you needed. So there's some interesting facts in there, so definitely go and get that complete free. I applied for a critère today. Well done. Another four euros odd, that is. Plus, if this ETS comes in, that's 11 euros before you even get anywhere. That's your holiday budget gone. That's (laughs) sorted. They asked for a photograph of the car, so I sent them one of Coco the Clown next to his. It's in better condition. (laughs) (laughs) Did they actually ask for a photo? No, they didn't. I asked for my registration form. Right, the V5. So what did you have to give them? I didn't have to give them anything. I just filled in the online form, which is the sort of car when it was first registered, which is on your V5. Yeah. Um, the VIN number mm-hmm. um, and uh, what sort of fuel it yep. takes. And also down the bottom, uh, it's your CO emissions. And CO- that was on your V5? Was and that's it? on the V5. Okay. Yeah, I had someone ask the other day, in fact, there was someone posted on Facebook as well this week, same question about classification. So what we were talking about earlier, is it an M1 or is it a motor caravan? So they went with M1. But it's back to this, what we've been talking about today. Uh, you know, this is important that you, you mustn't lose that V5 because that classification is on there. And if you're going to apply yeah. for a criteria, you need all that information. You do. And there's one thing that isn't on the V5, which you have to look up independently, which is the Euro rating of your car. Well, exactly. That's what the criteria is. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Diff- six different stickers. Yeah. And how did you find the Euro rating of yours? I went to the RAC site and they have got a very handy yeah. little uh, check your car here. Yeah. Very good. So that's that's a great place to go you could go to gov.uk as well and look at one of the clean air zones here and if you haven't got to pay you're probably euro five or six i think you might be euro four but yeah it's a bit of guesswork there rac is a great resource they're a brilliant website and if you're wondering how they do the euro it's it's when your car was first registered it's when your car was built basically and mine's an old car so i was euro five more modern cars 
It's a Euro yeah. 6. It's about the emissions. Your car, I've seen the plume of smoke following <laughs> down the road. <laughs> it's mostly emissions, my car. Uh, OK, then I think we've covered just about everything. How do people get in touch? Very easily. You can go to motomat.co.uk forward slash askmat. Submit us a question. We love hearing from you. And there you will find all our social channels and you'll find us on YouTube as well at motorhomemat. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com.